Okay, that's great. We're riffing off of that. So, I mean, all the changes that are going on in the industry, some of which they're talking about, but just in general in the industry, which do you think, looking up six to nine months, which of these changes are going to persist? And what does the landscape look like in terms of differences in like six to nine months? Sure. Well, so first, like, I guess I can say, um, I think the, the more complex the system is, the less likely you are to be right when you kind of try to predict it. And I think the auto industry is a pretty complex system. So the odds that AX8 years right is just not that high. But I would say you know, six to nine months isn't that long. If, if we were looking out, you know, two years, three years, I, I think my guess would be the world looks a lot more like it did pre pandemic than, than anything else. Um, the next six to nine months, I think a lot of things could happen. I do think that there have been so many odd distortions in the economy in general that I think in auto in particular for the last two years, um, you know, whether it's you know, car prices shooting, but the motor interest rates moving up, uh, you know, demand kind of, you know, spiking, uh, probably related a lot to stimulus and then, and then really kind of dropping down so people get more anxious. I just think that there's so many odd distortions happening right now that to me, my guess is the next year or two is an unwinding of a lot of those distortions. Um, and I think a lot of the things, my view would be a lot of things that, that they, people believe are going to persist um, and you know, permanent change as a result from we've all experienced in the last two years. I, I think it's less likely to persist than maybe many others think. I think it looks like Ken slowly but surely back a little bit before. Uh, things that we've all learned over the last 20, 30 years of our career were, were generally true, but right now we're, we're definitely where it's by. That's a good perspective. So my takeaway from that is it's going to look a lot more like 2018, 2019 in the future than it does today. Um, what changes that we've learned over the last two years well, for industry wider, they're going to persist. So, how do you think fundamentally change? And so, what do you think is going to look actually different and not just regress back to the way things were run prior to COVID? So, we'll find out. But my opinion, um, I think some of the things, one of the areas that I think people believe will persistently change, that I'm not sure I agree with persistently change, is kind of this idea of, of carrying less supply and making more money per car. I mean, I think that like you know, um, you know the world's a competitive place, and everyone everyone wants to to do the best they can. And, and, and I think that probably the competitive pressures um, they kind of you know drove OEMs to the past to produce you know to kind of secretly produce too many cars and too few cars and profits to kind of move around to that. I think those are probably persistent forces. I don't really understand why those would necessarily change. I think that you know. Part of what's happened in the whole world over the last couple of years is just the supply chains have completely broken, but concentrated not getting a lot of the most complex, the most global, um, and probably the most overlapping supply chains of, of anything. Um, you know, many OEMs use the same suppliers, we use the same suppliers, we use the same suppliers. And so we saw you know, so much sort of coordinated production of supply. And you know the, the fact that kind of prices and profits go up when supply is low is probably not super surprising. It's, it's Extraordinarily true when not only does supply go down, but also demand goes up because there's so much money kind of sloshing around the economy for, for so many kind of different reasons. Mm -hmm. Nothing people look at that and say, like, man, I want that to stay the same, um, which I think is a pretty natural instinct. But in my mind, at least, I, I think that basically the supply chain disruptions and some of the other crazy distortions in the world created the conditions that allow everyone to kind of act similarly. And, and that was a very profitable way to act. But, uh, I think people ultimately will kind of go try to chase their own ball and try to do what's best for them. And I think that then we'll 
probably looks a lot more like it looked before as a supply chain command and it wasn't active in, in a kind of uh, coordinated fashion just because they they have no other choice. And so like that's one area where I, I think there's a lot of discussion now about all the things that have been learned. Uh, I think what was learned there was that when there's not a lot of supply, prices go up and people make money. I think that's uh, you know that wasn't like a uh, particularly unique lesson from history. Uh, and, and I think the question is will there mechanisms that we're to coordinate in the future to, to achieve those same goals. And my personal view can be that I doubt it, but, but who knows? It's great. It's great. Thanks, Ernie. So uh, let's take it to like the wholesale side of things because most of the folks in this room, this conference, are somewhat uh, connected to wholesale. You guys raised a lot of eyebrows earlier this year when you bought, you know, Dustin's U.S. physical assets. Um, as you look forward two years in the wholesale space, it seems like there's a lot of change going on. Um, any, any thoughts on how you think uh, that the wholesale market, the, the you know, auction industry, upsell selling, it's up, upstream selling, et cetera, will evolve for the next two years? So, I mean, it's going to be kind of in our interest. So, I guess, like, I, I want to cap you before I say it, and if you wish to take it, you solve it, it makes sense. Like, I would be, I'm thinking that part of one of the distortions that I think occur when supply chains broke and money was sloshing around and car prices shot up is that every consumer all of a sudden had an asset that, that had a bunch of equity. And that changes things quite a bit. That makes it a lot easier to acquire cars directly from customers. Uh, you know, so, something like a lot of facts we do with the wholesale market is you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's not enough cars around for rental car companies to, to you know, get cars. And so, they become you know, net buyers and wholesale channels and some sellers. And so I think all these things happen that cause auctions to get a lot less volume and for wholesale prices to go up quite a bit and for those wholesale prices to, to also kind of separate from uh, the price that are available in other channels like direct consumer channels. But also for those kind of direct consumer offers to be so high relative to consumers' expectation that it got a lot easier to buy cars. You know, if, if a customer paid $20 for a car, it's worth 25, but they show up and they say, hey, well, we pay me, and they're expecting 15, and you say 22, they're pretty excited about that, and they're probably going to sell it to you. And so I think that, that like, that led to a lot of um, working around auctions, uh, with a lot of um, dealing with that were able to more effectively buy auction customers because of the fact that the price shot up so much, and then things were so different relative to a customer's expectations. And those are sorts of things that I do think are out doesn't look like, and I'm not super confident right about this, but I think they'll unwind and normalize. We see how prices dropping really quickly right now. You see, you know, it looks like auction volumes are starting to, to stabilize and, and maybe even perform a little bit better than you'd expect. Seasonally, as more volume kind of goes in that direction. Um, so, you know, my guess is things will, will start to, to look a little bit more normal and get really hard by cars directly from customers because um, we're going to have kind of like being on their side that way instead of customers being blown away at how bad it looks. Because we'll get by cars the last two years and are going to be blown away by how low the bids are on their cars. So, my guess is, you know, wholesale slowly but surely kind of starts to move back to where it was before. Uh, and there will always be secular changes, but I think these difficult things will, will probably uh, unwind and I don't know the time frame is out there. Great. Great. Thanks, Rudy. So, um, I'm going to ask you to reflect back on your journey now over the last 10 years. What, what's been the biggest surprise that you've had over the last few years? Oh man, the biggest surprise. Uh, I would say uh, so something that, that uh, 
pretty unique and uh, pretty hard to build and, and deliver something to customers that is different. You have different customers make different things. And, um, and, and, and I think that, you know, we're going to work on this and everything along the way. We're going to carry a bunch of bruises, but, uh, but I think there's a lot of things that I look back on and say, I really think that we just got that completely wrong. There are a lot of things that we got kind of halfway, um, but, but I think, you know, it's, it's hard to hold yourself to a standard of always being right. Yeah, we've got, we've got a bunch of texts that have come in, and that's myself in there. So if anyone else wants to text questions, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the, the softballs. I think here. So uh, we have a question in the audience: What's the biggest misperception our industry has about Vermont? I don't know. Uh, I think um, you and I uh, Steve, we were at a, a different conference, sitting on a panel. And, well, I'll disappoint you, so please feel free to correct me. I apologize if I get a little bit wrong. But, when you said something along, this is when we were being more hot. But you said something along the lines of you know, you're giving the dark favor of the industry. Wait, <laughs> hold on, you can speak forever. Well, I'm not going to get super good, but I found that just so interesting because to me, this this industry is so big, right? Like we're talking about use, it's 40 million. If we're talking about new plus use, it's on the order of 60 million transactions a year. You know, we're thousand, give or take, right now. That's one percent of the whole thing. To me, I think uh, I think when people look at an industry or their life and the way things are done, they look at the way little people are doing it, things can get really dramatic really fast and and, uh, and and competition can make things a lot more emotional than they kind of need to be. And you know, I think, you know, we've got a dream that we're trying to go toward and we think the way off the customers is awesome, right? And we think it's differentiated, we think it's unique, and we think that it's really high quality. We think for customers who love this, it, they're, they're going to love what we do in a way that other people can't provide an experience and so on. But that doesn't mean that tomorrow we're going to sell every car in the world, and it doesn't mean that we think that you know, our dealers uh, you know, are dumb or bad. And I think sometimes um, you know, some, some of that big wants can be lost. And so you know, I, I, we're just in this industry, right? We're trying to build something different for our customers. Um, and I think sometimes, like, the when you characterize this stuff, maybe I was just yeah, it's just so interesting. I don't see it that way. I like, hope oh, other people don't see it that way, but you know, people are going to see it the way they see it. For the record, it was Alex Benner saying that he was selling arms to rebels. So I was like, that was the context. Oh, you were know, right. so playing, playing up his metaphor, so it was a little bit either way. All right. <laughs> now we're going to let it down. Yeah, I'm gonna it. All right, cool. So, so again, I know your position you know, as a public company CEO, there's some things you will be able to answer, but there are questions coming in about the third party marketplace of Nirvana. So, this one um, in particular is allowing partners to sell on their platform felt like a potentially promising and disruptive move for you guys. But recently, it seems like Carvana has pulled back from that. Can you speak to you know this trend and your view about allowing third parties to, to list vehicles on Carvana? Sure. Well, I think, um, and, and I probably will answer this in a more abbreviated way that would be totally satisfying. So please forgive me. But uh, what I would say there is we absolutely think that that's a very interesting opportunity for a million reasons. And, you know, you guys think we're the last to be working on the way off. I'm going to give you the last and then we'll touch on this. And going back to everything that, that, that's worth doing is hard. I think everything's worth doing is hard. Everything that you try to take on is going to take longer than you think. And I just think. When you're in a moment like this, you know, focus is really valuable. Making sure that you uh, 
you kind of back down the hatches and get ready for a time that might be difficult over the next 12 to 18 months and you focus on the things that you know you can um, do that, that you know make positive contribution now i think it is important and, and that's painful because you, know, you want to build and focus on the long term and i think that you know the reason we've been able to build something that I think is pretty unique and pretty differentiated over a 10 year period is because job, we do focus on the long term. But what I think that, you know, when the cost of capital shoots to the moon, it gets a lot tougher. Sometimes you have to make some hard choices, you have to put some things off that you believe in uh, for now. And I think that that's uh, basically the choice that was made there. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of change in underlying beliefs. I think that there's um, an increased focus in things that we believe can make a difference in the shorter term relative to kind of the medium term. Uh, and so we, we've chosen to take focus away from that area.